0: Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, live from Melbourne once again. I am Ben Rothenberg, and I am joined on this episode remotely by a longtime childhood lifelong friend of mine. Chris Warsham, now Dr. Chris Warsham, who is here in his role as a pulmonologist at Mass General Hospital and Harvard Medical School, to talk a bit about, sort of clear the air, pun intended, on the bushfire pollution situation that's been a big talking point at the Australian Open this year. I'm looking out over this Melbourne skyline right now, and it's hazier than it was yesterday for sure. So this is going to be a continuing sort of up and down, off and on topic at the Australian Open. And Chris, thank you for. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.
1: Of course. I'm happy to do it. Um, greetings from uh, cold, blustery Boston. So, so
0: can you just talk about what, I guess, basically broad terms, like what are the health risks of air pollution? I guess that, that's probably way too broad to start, but just sort of what, what are some common things you deal with as a pulmonologist that maybe pollution could uh, contribute to? And pulmonologist is a lung doctor. If people don't know that.
1: Uh, Yeah, so a pulmonologist is a lung doctor. Um, And and, uh, to be honest, in the United States, we fortunately do not have to deal with this very often. Um, And it's things like these weather events. Um, In the US, we don't have bushfires, but we have forest fires, we have house fires um, where there are smoke. Um, And then in Australia, Uh, These bushfires are are a regular um, weather event down there, Um, but they can lead to poor air quality, which can have a number of bad effects. Um, And and I think we should make sure we draw the distinctions between different types of smoke. Um, The injuries you could get in a house fire or something um, are a lot different than the injuries you get from really bad air quality, but not sort of, you're not right next to a burning fire. Um, So the firefighters at the front line of these bushfires have a different set of um, risks than the rest of the population down in Melbourne there that's fairly removed from where the fire lines are, but are still getting that poor air quality blown in. So with the bad air coming in from the bushfires, it leads to the haze that I'm sure you're seeing right now and that, that we're seeing in photos from the tournament. Um, and that can cause a number of problems. Uh, and really we think about the acute problems, so the problems that come up right away with exposure to the smoke. Um, I think fortunately the long-term problems from this are, um, are trivial at most when it comes to smoke like breathing bad air quality you can think of it kind of like smoking so someone who smokes a couple cigarettes or you know smokes cigarettes for a couple months but then quits um we don't think they have any significant long-term lung damage so even in the poor air quality we wouldn't expect um, any sort of long-term damage uh, for the players, for the fans, or for the journalists uh, following the, the tournament. Um, you know, unless, of course, there was some major acute problem that left them with some long-term effects, but those would be um, pretty rare. So when it comes to the, the problems we might actually expect to see um, or even have seen, um, when it came to Dahlia, I'm going to butcher her last name.
0: Yakupovic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've butchered a couple times already. <laughs>
1: um, but, um, so what she had is actually pretty typical of what you might expect to see happen to a handful of people. So with the air quality being what it is, when it's in the, um, zero to 50 range. It's considered good when you get 50 to, um, 100 or so, it's considered fine. But those who are sort of at risk, um, like at very high risk, might feel something. And then once you start getting to 100 to 150, people who have um, diseases like asthma um, start to potentially get problems. And then uh, once you get over 200, that's when we might expect... Ah, uh, perfectly healthy people to start showing problems, and the and the problems we expect are are things like um, so, coughing, um, and shortness of breath, and this is going to be caused by um, people breathing in the smoke, um, and and in that in that air that they're breathing is going to be tiny tiny particles, um, which can get deep down into the airways irritate the lungs from the inside, and that can lead to inflammation, it can lead to coughing, uh, it can lead to coughing up some mucus, and it can lead to shortness of breath or a sensation of tightness in the chest.
0: So, and and I guess what we were talking before offline about this is that for someone like uh, Delilah Yakupovich, there could be, she could have some milder form of asthma, I guess, it would have never shown symptoms before in her life until it was aggravated or irritated by this this worse error. I guess people who, you know, even she's a in professional athlete and sure she's done lots of intense aerobic stuff in her life. Uh, but this is being, you know, people, certain people will still have different sensitivities to it. I guess what I'm saying that there's, you know, people could have minimal asthma, but still not zero asthma. Is that right?
1: yeah, that that's absolutely right. Uh, we see all the time um in primary care offices or in a pulmonologist's office, folks who, had a single episode one time uh, where they had this chest tightness and they were coughing all the time and bringing up mucus and they got an inhaler and they felt better. And that's probably asthma, um, but then they haven't had it for the rest of their lives. And so there are plenty of people walking around out there who are able to do strenuous activity, do things like play professional tennis and really not have anything suggestive of a diagnosis of asthma, and then they could go through some sort of event where there's enough irritation to bring that out, and what asthma is is just sort of prolonged irritation of the airways um, that, in some people, goes on for a longer period of time, whereas in uh, someone else, it might just go on for a little bit.
0: There are a couple of tennis players, uh, Petra Kvitova notably, and then Novak Djokovic, who have had sort of asthma-type issues and breathing in the past that we're aware of. As athletes, uh, they've you know got. They use inhalers and stuff occasionally on court. Those players, I guess, would be presumably under more susceptibility to the symptoms of flare-ups, I would think, in these conditions.
1: Absolutely. And those are the people that we particularly worry about. Um, That's why, if you look up sort of how the Australian government Uh, defines various air quality levels they always put a lower bar for people for susceptible patients and that would be people with asthma so if you know if, if I was those players doctors I would want them to probably take their inhaler before the match and depending on how long it went on they may need to take it during the match, even, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got irritated enough and, and had a flare up of their asthma that they might have to um, stop playing.
0: Yeah, I think if it was they're playing on a bad day for sure. What are the sort of risks for the different kinds of populations, just in terms of roles at a tennis tournament, like for athletes who are out there, you know, competing and exerting themselves for a long time, for two, three, four, five hours even here, compared to what the danger might be for, you know, uh. A family who comes as fans and spends eight hours, you know, being pretty sedentary, but still outside for that length of time. What, what would be the sort of, is it is it riskier to be doing one thing than the other
1: right now? Probably strenuous exercise is going to be riskier when you're exercising, as we all know. It's just sort of a natural response to start breathing faster and to start breathing deeper. Yeah. And when the air quality is what it is, when they do that, they're bringing more and more Particles into their lungs that they could react to. So, uh, the players in the tournament, um, even though they're going to be doing more strenuous exercise, are probably, um, you know, substantially healthier than the average fan um, and, you know, dare I say, an average journalist following the tournament. 1000%, yes. So, the players are actually the minority of the people at this event. Um, When we think about the fans, that could be anybody. Uh, And so that's when we start having to worry about older folks who – can have lung diseases of varying different types that we don't need to go into, but adults can have asthma. Um, They can have smoking related diseases like COPD um, or any number of other conditions that they'd be at higher risk for. And then, you know, small children coming to see the event. uh, Asthma is common in, in younger children. And then when we start talking about the older people as well, There is some evidence that it's not just lung damage or lung injury or lung irritation, but some of these really, really tiny particles um, can actually enter the bloodstream and uh, cause heart problems. And so if we look at medical research from around the world, we know on days when air quality is particularly poor, there are more deaths, there are more respiratory breathing problems, and there are more heart problems, heart attacks um, on those days. And that's going to generally be in, in Older folks.
0: And I was reading something, a, a sort of different article about air pollution and not direct exposure. You know, being like like you said at the beginning, right next to a, a burning fire. But even like, and this is not even smoke. But I've heard things like when there are sandstorms in the Sahara, it can like blow particles as far away as like Greece, and cause you know an increase in medical visits with breathing problems there just from dust across the Mediterranean. So I mean, there's like a lot of spikes that can happen. I guess as these things. As these things happen and that's why you see governments you know taking precautions like the Australian EPA is doing uh saying telling people I guess when they've had the worst days they've had so far here in Melbourne to you know stay indoors close windows don't go to the parks keep your pets inside thing like things like that
1: no that's a that's exactly correct um if we take uh an example with um American military veterans okay uh, when they were in the Middle East um, and they had extra weapons and supplies that they had to get rid of. They threw them into burn pits and set them on fire. Mm. And that smoke contained all kinds of toxic chemicals that blew for miles and miles and miles and and covered all kinds of land out there. And and those veterans are coming back with problems, even if they were 50 miles away from where the fire was. So these problematic particles and, and potentially other chemicals can can get carried pretty far by the wind.
0: Not all pollution is created equal obvious. You mentioned the sort of chemicals are burning in a military situation, but what do we know about how clean or not clean relatively or how dangerous this kind of smoke we would get right now in Melbourne from nearby forest fires would be? I mean it might seem that like wood burning is, is safer and more natural than whoever knows what kind of chemicals are in weapons or even in a factory discharge smoke situation? For, pop, for pollution, but is, is this smoke better or worse? Is there a way to tell? Could there be more or less danger right now than in your other unclean air situations?
1: Um, that's a good question. I, I think it is, um, on the one hand, a lot of industrial pollution can contain a whole host of chemicals, um, most of which in countries like Australia uh, or the U.S., for that matter, are going to be... Um, you know, there's going to be some regulation to make sure that significant amounts of dangerous chemicals aren't in the air. But um, yeah, all fires are not created equal. Uh, that being said, you know, tobacco is a natural plant. And we know that smoking tobacco causes a lot of problems. So just because it's uh, a nature, dare I say, organic fire burning, um, it's still dangerous. And so. You know, the air quality index or the AQI, which is this number that um, people are always talking about, that is calculated using a number of different air pollutants, particulate matter um, or PM2.5, which is which is the metric
0: Tennis Australia is looking at for their measuring. Yeah. PM
1: 2.5. Yeah, so PM 2.5, um, that stands for particulate matter less than 2.5 microns. That's 2.5 millionths of a meter. And that's pretty small particle. Um, for reference, a human hair is sort of in the 75 to 100 microns range. Um, across. And so these particles are teeny tiny. And if you you factor that in um, to these calculations, and if there were other significant pollutants in the air, they might factor that into their calculations for air quality. But when we're talking a fire, and we're pretty far from this fire, the particulates are really what you worry about. And the 2.5 micron particles and below can easily get deep down into the lungs. In theory, you know, those could be anything that's burning. So it could be tiny, tiny pieces of the plants that are burning um, or anything in the wake of the the fire.
0: I think of like 9-11 and the things that ground zero workers had to breathe in with the collapsed buildings there and all the dust and smoke and carcinogens that seem to be in that material. And, you know, there are probably, there are some Obviously, mostly it's just unoccupied land, but there are some buildings or other structures and are burning as well in Australia right now. So it could be different sorts of things in the air as well, different sorts of chemicals, even just like fertilizers or things like that that could be in the air and causing, causing problems, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, you know, September 11th, that is an example of not all smoke is created equal. I mean, a lot of it, like you said, is dust from concrete. Um And unfortunately, that dust can settle and stay down in the lungs. That's not a problem in Melbourne. But, you know, uh, from what I know about the geography of that area and in Victoria in general, there's a lot of flat land out there. Um, And so winds can very easily run for long, long stretches of area and carry stuff really, really far. Um, So the stuff that you're inhaling right now in the city could be coming from almost anywhere. No, that's that's for
0: sure true. And I've been in Korea where they have pretty consistent air quality problems coming from China at all times, You know, which is not even the same country and across a, a fairly sizable body of water. So I, I guess to get more to the tennis point, the Tennis Australia, you mentioned the PM 2.5, that was the scale they're using. And they set a limit for 200 uh, on that scale as being when they would definitely stop play, it seems like, and they would consider stopping play. uh it above 98 i believe is their number and then we don't know all the metrics they've had so far but it does seem like when uh Yakupovic was having her breathing issues and collapsing during qualifying that the numbers were in the high uh or in, or in the in the 160s at least on the metric so not that far below the threshold really on the pm 2.5 side and, and at the same time a lot of players have pointed out this is when the city had earlier that day told people to stay inside and you know, close their windows and keep their pets indoors. So, is it is it safe to be playing tennis uh, in that kind of level? Is this, do you, in your opinion, does this is it make sense to have to have them deem these conditions "quote unquote" playable?
1: Typically, we talk about air quality um, using the air quality index or the AQI, um, which is calculated differently in different countries. Um, but if I use the Australian government's definitions. Um, that we talked about earlier, um, really any, um, any, uh, a, uh, AQI above 150, um, the Australian government recommends at least that healthy adults reduce or reschedule strenuous outdoor activities, um, which a tennis match certainly falls in that category. Um, and then for an AQI of over 200, um, it says um, that healthy adults should avoid strenuous outdoor activities, period. Um, And so if we look at, say, on the day that that player uh, had that coughing fit and had to withdraw, the uh, PM 2.5, so the particulate matter count was 165. But the um, AQI, the air quality index, would have been significantly higher um, by even the U.S. or the Australian calculations for that and would have placed it well into the adults who are healthy should not be doing strenuous outdoor activities. So I don't know if there is misunderstanding about um, the PM 2.5 count versus the AQI or if if there's really uh, that's the lines that the tournament is choosing to draw in the sand. Which are pretty risky lines, they would be, I would guess. I would say so. I, I mean, it, it, while um, that player may have had um, asthma uh, that was either un, so minimal that it didn't need treatment or it was undiagnosed, um, a, but a generally healthy young woman starts having a coughing fit to the point that she can't go on, That's pretty much exactly what the air quality would have predicted would happen. And so, you know, when the government issues these recommendations, they are giving recommendations to the whole population, which includes elderly folks with lung disease, all the way down to tiny babies or healthy um, young adults. And so they are trying to catch a broader net. But once we get to these really high pollution levels, that's when healthy people start having problems. And so, you know, maybe it would be reasonable for the tournament to draw a line at the AQI of 150 because presumably there's not anyone um, with really, really problematic lung disease in the tournament. But they should, you know, it might be worth not having it open to fans to be outside because who knows who might be in that group. And then once you get above 150 that's when the players could start having real problems.
0: yeah definitely there's a, definitely a big population have to look out for here and tenants attracts a pretty wide age range on both little kids and retirees and everyone in between. See I would think that from a sort of that if they' were being cautious they would be drawing probably a much lower line or using multiple metrics to, to do something because even if like you said there it was not just this one player we mentioned a couple times. Yakupovich who had her issues. It was other players who had shown no previous signs of asthma getting brought inhalers by medical, you know, people during medical timeouts and things like that. So it was not it's not just about her. It's not all about her one conditions. This was a clearly more wise triggering event, respiratory wise
1: than that. Yeah, I I mean, even if you even if we, we can sit here and talk about the, the you know, air quality measurement numbers all we want, but the outcome that you're worried about is clearly happening, uh, you know, that should send a signal that regardless of the number, the air quality uh, at the time in which they were playing – was a problem And if it's a problem for healthy people exercising It's a problem for an older folk You know in the fan In the fan section with lung disease um, Or to any of the Presumably hundreds of people Who were working on this tournament
0: Yeah how much do you know different types of air conditioning, what they can do to, to clean out buildings? Because I've heard speculation, they, they have three courts here in Melbourne, three stadiums that have retractable roofs, which they could play indoors and have some sort of air conditioning units in there, which tennis Australia made it seem like would keep the air cleaner. But I've also heard that it's sort of only certain kinds of air conditioned filters really purify the air from particulate matter meaningfully. And big stadiums are not likely to be buildings that would have those kind of filters built in
1: yeah that um the level of industrial filter that you would need is sort of outside my knowledge base right um, but you do need special filters to be able to get particles that are that small out of the air and generally, I, and you know with the higher temperatures, that can also just make it. Harder, And so just being indoors and somewhere cooler where the air is a little more comfortable and maybe less humid where and indoors, you're just going to have fewer of these particles because the air can settle. You know, it, being indoors is generally a good idea, um, but it, it seems like they can't have the whole tournament indoors. But, but that would sort of be the ideal situation with the air quality being what it is.
0: Yeah, not from not from the beginning anyway, where there's still 128 players in each draw. If they they could get if they got down to like the second week, they could probably play the second week entirely indoors pretty easily, at least for the main singles competitions. Um, But yeah, that would be something they wouldn't want to have to rely on too much early on. I I guess there was a a tennis player, a Canadian tennis player yesterday, Dennis Shapovalov, who was sort of the most aggressive of being critical and distrustful of what Tennis Australia was saying. He said, basically, that he didn't want to, you know... He's, he said, like, I'm only 20 years old, I don't want to risk my health and risk my life to go out there and play if it could be dangerous or, you know, when they're telling people to stay inside and just didn't think it was worth the risk to him was what he was saying uh, pretty pretty vocally. Is that, you know, is it reasonable for... Should players be concerned about this? Should they be doing their own sort of assessments outside of uh, what the tournament referees are, are telling them?
1: I, I mean, that's a... That's, a I think, a question that anybody... Hosting any sort of large-scale event anywhere has to ask themselves: Is there? There's always some sort of risk out there for something to happen, right? Like if it's you're throwing a county fair, and what do you do um, if there's a, a thunderstorm, right? Like how close does a lightning have to be? And so everything is going to be um, a balance of the risks and benefits of of playing, and for the players, that comes down to an individual choice. And for the tournament organizers, um, that comes down to an organizational choice for them. And so, are any of these players um, at risk for significant long term damage? Generally, no. But, you know, if you are one of those folks who ends up with. An asthma attack, like those can be sort of mild and just need an inhaler, or you could need, you know, pills that you have to take for a while, or some of those people do end up in the hospital and you could have downstream effects that could cause problems. Not to mention for these players, no one wants to um, invest all this time and energy into a tournament only to three matches in have a coughing fit and have to out of the tournament right like that what player would want to do that and so i would say the risk of them having to drop out of the tournament um because of some sort of breathing problem is not that small if the air quality remains what it has been Um, and so they if a player says well i don't really want to do all of this just to have to drop out because i'm coughing um i i can't blame them you know and, and i think when it comes to the on the tournament side of things you know, the government is issuing these various advisories for a reason. You know, the governments don't do that lightly, but, it you know, this is particularly bad air quality and with what we've seen with going on with the players because we can see all that and it's televised um we have no idea what's happening with the staff and the fans and you know they could be running into plenty if not more trouble than what we're seeing on tv
0: yeah even i will say even just for the first time sitting out here from recording this outdoors as people could probably hear uh for the first time i'm feeling my throat like getting scratchy just sitting out here for you know 45 minutes or so we've been out here and i'm doing nothing but talking so uh, yeah, right. this could, this could be, and this is one of the better days. I think it's getting a little bit worse as the day goes on, but recording this on Sunday before the one day before the tournament starts and it, it's supposed to be one of the better days. Uh, but yeah, it's still getting a little bit more uncomfortable than it normally would be
1: otherwise. Yeah. We, we spend a, we spend a lot of time talking about PM 2.5 because those tiny, tiny particles are the ones that get deep down. Um, but our uh, the upper part of our breathing tree is designed to catch larger particles. Um, so things like pollen, they're large particles. Um, and your nose is actually designed to trap a particle like pollen, which is why during pollen season people get congestion and runny noses because we have purposefully designed bodies to trap that in your nose. And so some of the larger particles are going to get stuck in your nose, and you may notice that when you blow your nose, it looks kind of funky. Um, and then even in our main windpipe, our trachea, and some of the big parts of our breathing tree, that's where some of these larger particles might get caught, and that can just cause irritation, scratchiness, and coughing. So it, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that you're feeling that.
0: No, oh, and with that, maybe I should head inside soon. So thank you very much for all your time today. Chris, anything else people should know or keep an eye out for? Any last thoughts as they uh, watch tennis, wherever they are?
1: I would say uh, don't be disappointed in a player who's looking at everything that's going on and says, I don't want to do this and, and drops out of the tournament. I mean, it's a very reasonable choice for someone to make, and and you just would hate to see somebody run into a significant um, health problem uh, unnecessarily. Yeah. And then the, the other last thing to keep in mind is Um, You you know, this is um, one of those types of events that uh, everyone is talking about when it comes to climate change. Um, As our Earth gets hotter and things get drier, these uh, in in certain areas, things like bushfires um, are going to be worse and they're going to cause problems like this. And so when we talk about climate change, it's things like disruption and tennis tournaments um, that are on the list of things we might expect to see more of moving forward.
0: No, I've heard that conversation for for sure here already. Just like this is, you know, could be the new normal here pretty quickly uh, in terms of if these. This is the worst bushfire summer I believe they've ever had in Australia, or at least in you know recent recorded history. And you know, with everything continuing to get drier, weather getting more extreme and less rain, this could be something that makes long-term questions about if Melbourne and or Australia as a continent whole is suitable to hosting this kind of outdoor event in the peak of their summer and the peak of their fire season. That could be some real questions of sort of long-term viability that get kind of a first test run here. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Chris Horsham for being on here on the show. Uh, You are also on Twitter. I I just give a plug for your social media. You tweet some interesting medical stuff. If you want to plug that and anywhere else, people can find it. I don't know if you've written anything in terms of your published stuff. It's, at all relevant to this. Maybe not. I'm not sure.
1: No, but uh, you, can, <laughs> you can you can Google me um, or I'm on Twitter at, at Chris Worsham and, and all of my stuff is easy to find. Um, and thank you for having me, Ben. It was a, a lot of fun to be on this podcast.
0: Yes, long-time listener, first-time caller, Dr. Chris Worsham. Thank you, Lisses. Thank you. Thanks for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us or following us on Twitter at NCR underscore Tennis, Send emails, questions, comments to remaining at gmail.com. And yeah, leave us reviews on iTunes or any other place where that's available for podcasts that helps us out. And see you later from Melbourne.